We turn to the book of Proverbs this afternoon. Proverbs. Otherwise known as a witty saying. Part of what's called wisdom literature or the poetical books like Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Psalm, a Song of Solomon or Canticles. Many of these Proverbs are from the lips of Solomon as we read the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Often we find topics in the book of Proverbs. There are portions that you could certainly exposit verse by verse. But when we think of wisdom, there, there is a wisdom of the world and there also is the wisdom of God. And when we think of wisdom, though it's true that wisdom is, for instance, that you don't put your, uh, that you don't dive into a pool that is electrified, that's, that's practical wisdom, but that's not what is meant by the wisdom of the world, which is foolishness of God versus the wisdom of, of God. The Bible in, the, in Proverbs will give you instances of the wisdom of the world. For instance, um, riches profit not in the day of death, where many people feel that their wealth will have a leverage for them in their last days. And also there's, there's the worldly wisdom of works righteousness that's taught in the book of Proverbs that that's not the righteousness that will save us from death. It's the, it's the righteousness of God in Christ. And so, it's a book that features wisdom, which is, in definition, an application of knowledge. But it's more than just um, how to navigate in this world without dying prematurely or without being a pauper. Um, there is that wisdom that is neutral, is a non-moral wisdom that is useful for a Christian and a non-Christian. But the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of the world begins with, in a believer, in a person, the fear of the Lord. And that's our first subject in the book of Proverbs in our in our survey, in our series, which is found very early in the book. Verse number 7 of chapter 1, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Well, that's the, the beginning of knowledge. Knowledge and wisdom are, are different. But in chapter 9, in verse 10, we read, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy 
is understanding. And in wisdom or poetical literature, we don't have in Hebrew poetry that is predominantly uh, a rhyming verses like we have in English. Roses are red, violets are blue. Sugar is sweet and so are you. Um, Now we do have some of that um, rhyming in Hebrew, but that's not the main feature of Hebrew poetry. It's called parallelism. And there's at least three types of parallelism. You'll have parallelism that's called antithetic. It's opposite. One statement will read, um, A soft dancer turneth away wrath. But the next statement will be the opposite. But grievous words stir up anger. So you have antithetic um, parallelism where you have the opposites being taught. Then you have synonymous parallelism where the lines will be um, synonymous. They will be... um, in parallel, saying basically the same thing in a different way. Um, as an example, um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, or the beginning of wisdom, chapter 9, verse 10, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. That's synonymous. But then there's also parallelism where the second line strophe, whatever it's called, will kind of add to the thought. Okay, it's not just saying the same things, same thing over again, but it's it's uh, adding to the thought. And they call that synthetic parallelism. So you're adding another thought to the line, and uh, you'll find that that is is in the book of Proverbs. For instance, chapter 14, it says, In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and His children shall have a place of refuge. So you notice there's an additional thought to that line. The result of some parent or older sibling who fears the Lord is that the followers will find peace and comfort in that godly parent or godly leader. So there's an additional thought and not just a parallel, similar thought given. So always look for parallelism in the poetical books. Not necessarily rhyme. If it rhymes, it's hard to to put a rhyme from Hebrew or any language into a different language. Um, Roses are red, violets are blue, sugar is sweet, and so are you. Um, Blue and you rhyme in English, but blue and you probably doesn't rhyme in Hebrew, okay? So there are word plays in Hebrew like in any other language. And and if you study long enough and take time in the Old Testament or the New Testament Scriptures, you will find intentional rhyming. But that's not the major feature, at least in the Hebrew poetry. 
But our thought is on the fear of the Lord. Why is it? Uh, why are we beginning with that subject in the book of Proverbs? Well, because it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So that's saying you don't even begin to be wise until you fear the Lord. You don't begin to, to know truth until you're, you set yourself with the kind of disposition that listens. And believe me, a respectful disposition is a, is, is a listening disposition. If someone tells me, you're going to take a hike this afternoon into grizzly country, believe me, I will be on high alert uh, when I take that hike. I'll probably wear bells and uh, I'll talk out loud and, and do all that I can so that I don't meet a grizzly with no bars in between. It's a popular saying today that I don't fear the Lord, I love Him. It sounds good, doesn't it? But the Bible teaches that to love God is to fear Him. Because the greatest commandment is to love the Lord with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And the Bible goes on to say we ought to fear God. Fear God and keep His commandments. So fear and love are not mutually exclusive, they are mutually inclusive. Some also will say, well, the Old, the Old Testament is the language of a more angry God than the New Testament. Have you heard that one? Well, it's true that whether you're in the Old or the New, that sinners who die without Christ, as, John, as Jonathan Edwards said, are sinners that die in the hands of an angry God. But I had forgotten, it maybe it's the first time I heard, I also heard recently that someone else preached an angry God in the, in the hands of sinners, or, or, in, in, or God in the hands of angry sinners, and they're speaking of Christ. But Christ suffered that first, and, and uh, He survived, He thrived, he, he, His purpose was to allow himself to be placed into the hands of angry sinners. He died for us so that we would be saved in that way. But you don't want to die and find out what it's like to be a sinner in the hands of an angry God. But I want to show you that fearing God is not just an Old Testament phenomenon. Just give you a few verses. Who said... Fear not him that can kill the body, and after that no, he has no more that he can do. But I tell you, I forewarn you whom to fear. Fear him who can, after he kills the body, cast the soul into hell. Jesus said that. Who said, Dost not thou fear God, because we're in the same condemnation? The thief on the cross. The Bible tells us and the Holy Spirit records that a positive thing was that the churches were walking in the fear of the Lord. Acts chapter 9. The Bible tells us that a, 
a wicked person has no fear of God before his eyes. Romans 3.18 Matter of fact, the Bible tells us about even worldly leaders. Fear to whom fear is due as well as honor to whom honor. We ought to fear to disobey rulers who have the sword. We're to perfect holiness in the fear of God. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. The Bible tells all of us in the church to submit ourselves to one another in the fear of God. Ephesians 5. So this is not just once or twice. We're to serve God with reverence and godly fear because He is a consuming fire. Peter says, Fear God and honor the King. And in the book of Revelation, Who shall not fear the O Lord and glorify Your name? For You only are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before You, for Your judgments are made manifest. So I quoted from Matthew to Revelation about the fear of God. So if you don't fear God, then you are not obeying God. Then you are not believing the Scripture. Yes, God is an angry God in the Old Testament and it's ratcheted up in the New Testament. Have you ever read Matthew 23? Is it eight times that Jesus says, Woe unto you Pharisees, hypocrites. That sounds like an angry God to me. Have you ever read the book of Revelation? Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. It sounds like an angry God. But isn't this a contradiction of 1 John 4.18? Perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. Well, that last statement defines the kind of fear that he's talking about. He's talking about the kind of fear that's dread and not a kind of fear that's respectful and that drives you to God. The wrong fear is the fear that drives you away from God. The fearful and the unbelieving shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. It's the kind of fear like Joseph's brothers had when Joseph said, I am Joseph. One of the most poignant verses in the Bible. I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brothers were paralyzed. They just were dreading being in the presence of this one. And then Joseph said, Come near me. Come closer. I am Joseph. Ani Yosef. And they then began to respect him with a godly fear. There are two kinds of fear. And Moses talks about those in, in Exodus 20 after he gives, after the Lord quotes the Ten Commandments. Fear not, for God has come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces that you sin not. Sounds like a contradiction. Fear not, but His fear will be before your faces. Two kinds of fear, obviously. One is a fear that's dreading drawing near to God. And the other fear is 
the fear that respects God and honors Him. So that one fear is being afraid of God. The other fear is fearing God and respecting Him and drawing near Him with carefulness, with you know, in, in a legal way, being to, to approach God. There's a protocol to to uh, be invited into the presence of a dignitary. Okay? You draw near, but you draw near with a certain fear, a certain respect. And so it is with the Lord. We, we don't just saunter, as someone said. We don't just saunter into His presence. We, we come into His presence with joy, with holiness, with repentance and faith. So love and fear are mutually inclusive. Love your neighbor includes honor and fearing your parents. They go together. In other words, it's affection and respect. Love, affection, respect, fear. Awe, reverence and trembling or concern. Your, your, the apprehension of godliness. It's a concern to please God and an apprehension to displease Him. And the three things especially that it deals with is God's... We fear God because of His character. We fear Him because of His covenant. And we fear Him because of the consequences. The fear of the Lord, firstly, is a spirit of worship in the book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is a fear of His attributes. You know, the book of Proverbs gives quite a few of God's attributes. That He is a God of creation. That He is a God of knowledge. The the eyes of the Lord are in every place. He's an omniscient God. He's an omnipresent God. We fear the Lord because he's, He's worthy of fear. He's got the kind of characteristics and attributes that are fearful. Why do I fear a grizzly bear when I'm taking a hike in grizzly country? Well, have you ever seen the claws on a grizzly bear? Have you ever seen the results of a mauling of a grizzly bear? Have you ever seen the size of a grizzly bear? I think they deserve respect. But a grizzly bear was made by the Lord. A grizzly bear... Has, its life is in God's hands. God can end the life of a grizzly bear in a second. There are people that are absolutely healthy that die in their sleep. His character causes us to fear Him. His covenant relationship with us, as Joseph said to the the Potiphar's wife that tempted him. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? The God in whom I am in covenant with. How can I sin against my vows to, to, to know and love God? It's like when a, a, a married person is tempted. How can I do this great sin against my wife, against my husband? I'm in covenant with them. I have sworn. I've given my word. I've given my word that I will not be unfaithful. 
A covenant is meant to be a preventative of sin. Isn't God good to make us people that are in covenant with Him and in covenant with us? He's made marriage a covenant relationship. Church is a covenant relationship. Salvation is a covenant relationship. It's that extra motivation that especially binds us to Him and to one another. In your workplace is a covenant relationship. I'm not just going to let you work without signing the dotted line and, and giving your word that you're going to be faithful to produce a good day's work. They want a legal way in which to bring charges against you if you're unfaithful. And of course the consequences. But that's the least mature, isn't it? The consequences cause us to fear God. Do you not read in the Bible that someone was turned into a, a statue because they didn't take God's Word seriously? That the ground opened and people were, were swallowed into hell alive and bodily? Have we read that the Lord rained fire and brimstone on cities? Did you not read that the Lord caused water to rise considerable amount above the highest mountains and drown the world? Do we not read that a, a godly woman had to be outside the camp with leprosy? God can, he chastens us as believers. Fear is, worship, is, is, a, is a way in which we worship God. We ascribe worth to Him. His Word is taken seriously. His, His power is respected. The opposite we're told in chapter 14 and verse 2. If you don't fear the Lord, you're going to despise Him. Verse 2 of chapter 14. He that walketh in his uprightness feareth the Lord, but he that is perverse in his ways despiseth Him. Notice again, you've got the parallelism. This is antithetic. But what's parallel? Uprightness is parallel with perverse and fear is parallel with despise. And so the opposite of fearing God, there's no middle ground. You either fear Him or you despise Him. The despise is, is a lack of respect. It's it's a disregard of God. Oh, that the Lord would help us to, to uh, cultivate this kind of respect, regard for God. Not being unafraid, but fearing Him. We dare not dare Him. You know, what a suicidal thing it is to dare God to do something. Wickedness. When I was a child, I've told you this before, we had this, I don't know, I have to ask my siblings exactly what it was. I think it was, it was it, there was a, a really tall pole in the corner of our driveway in the backyard. And I think it had a birdhouse on the top. If it was a birdhouse, I don't know why, because nobody could fill it once it was empty. 
because it was about, literally, it was about 40 feet in the air. And I went out with, a, with another metal rod during a lightning storm, and I, I dared God to strike me. Talk about stupidity and, and uh, absolute foolishness. Did I win because God didn't electrocute me? God is long-suffering toward us. But that's, that's the flesh. That's the, that's the worldly man dares God to exercise His Godship. But God is, is like the, the heavyweight in the, in the ring with the lightweight. The lightweight is throwing punches and hitting you know, the, the, uh, the heavyweight. And the heavyweight's just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. All it takes is one punch and it's over with. But God isn't waiting to punch, is He? He's waiting to save. Christ came. I said, I came not to destroy men's lives, but to save. So it's fear is is an indication of worship. Secondly, fear of of the Lord is wisdom's first approach. It, it says it's the beginning of knowledge and the beginning of wisdom. It's also said, similar things are said in Job 28.28 and Psalm 111. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The word beginning means chief part. In other words, you're just starting to leave foolishness when you just start to fear God. There's the transition taking place of disregard to regard. I don't know if if you can remember when the Lord was working in your heart and saving your soul. You began to focus on the Lord. You began to take Him seriously. You began to listen. In other words, there was that, there was that fear that was beginning to form in your heart and mind. And that's of the Lord. The Lord alone can change the heart and the mind. It tells us in, in the 15th chapter, and so we're, we're basically confining ourselves in Proverbs in these studies. In chapter 15, verse 33, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And so the question is asked, how do I receive wisdom? Well, you start by starting to fear God. That's how you... You're not even past home plate if you don't begin to fear God. Talking about real, spiritual, healthy... Wisdom. Again, four times the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. It's the very first approach to wisdom. No one fears, or no one has wisdom, true wisdom of God, until unless they fear God. There are a lot of people out there that are delaying the consequences of being terrorized by not fearing God now. You fear God now and you won't be terrorized in the future. Again, it's like me being a fool to know I'm in grizzly country and not make noise and not prepare to meet a grizzly. How many people have met a grizzly and they just had forgotten? They had not, they had not um, factored in the fact that they might meet a grizzly. 
They had forgotten to take precautions. They'd gotten distracted by hunting a certain quarry or just gotten distracted by the beauty of, of, of what they were seeing. And then the grizzly meets them and it's too late. So many people are, are not preparing to meet God. They think it's just going to be rosy once they die. What does the Bible say? It's appointed unto men once to die and then judgment. It's like it's boom. It's a, it's a blink of an eye and you're standing before God. Thirdly, the Bible tells us the fear of the Lord is a choice. It's intentional. Way back again in chapter 1, they did not choose the fear of the Lord. You see that? The Bible tells us it is a choice. They did not. They hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Now, this is not contradictory to election and the Reformed faith. It's just man is taught that God is worthy to be feared and does not choose means to not focus and not to keep that thought in mind. The devil is one who has deceived the nations. He wants us to think that God is not the kind of God that the Bible he won't, you won't go to hell. It's the same devil that says, you won't die if you eat this fruit. You won't go to hell if you die without being saved. There are multitudes of people that are deceived to think God is just a friendly teddy bear that you're just going to die and be in the arms of, of, a, of a God that placates uh, for any reason is placated for any reason. The devil's a great deceiver. We need to choose to and I, may I say this is to believers, we do choose to fear the Lord. Every day we should wake up and make that choice. God, you are worthy of my respect. So please help me to read your word with intention, with with attention. It's a choice. It takes effort. Chapter 2, verse 5. It's not just something, again, that we stumble across. Look at chapter 2 and verse 5. If we, verse 4, if we seek her as silver and search for her as her hid treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You'll find the reason for the fear of God and even the definition of it and, and the sense of it in your soul. But it takes effort. It takes effort to find wisdom in the fear of God. You don't stumble across it. Usually people don't stumble across treasures. They go looking for treasures with treasure maps. You don't stumble across the fear of God. You, you choose it. You, you pray about it. You make an effort to study the, the existence and attributes of God and His works. Say, wow, if this God is all-knowing and all-powerful and unchanging and eternal, infinite, and He is everywhere present at the same time, wow, what a God that is. And I am, I am absolutely insane not to fear this kind of a God. It takes effort. Fear of God is logical. It says, Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord. 
Isn't that interesting? We understand it's logical. It's logical for me to fear and respect this kind of God. Like it's logical for me to respect the fact that a, a, a shark might be in the vicinity of my snorkeling. There's always that, that possibility in the ocean. We're in their um, fish tank. Fifthly, it's a preventative of sin. And this seems to, to be the majority of texts in the book of Proverbs. By the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Chapter 3 and verse 7. The fear of the Lord is in essence to hate evil and arrogancy. Chapter 8, verse 13. And it's not merely choosing not to do evil, which is a righteous thing, but it's the evidence of your fear of God that you don't do evil. You hate evil. A wise man feareth and departeth from evil. 14.16 By the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Again, verse six of, verse of chapter 16. And in chapter 23, it seems to teach that we avoid envy by being in the fear of the Lord all the day long. Envy thou not sinners, but be in the fear of the Lord all the day long. You and I are constantly tempted with jealousy and envy when we see the materialism and the mansions and the castles and the Rolls Royces and and you know we see all the glitter out there. It's so easy to be jealous and envious. What's the solution? I have prepared a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself. Wisdom is better than riches. Over and over again we have verses that teach us don't be sidetracked by the glitter and the temporal things of this world. The streets that we're walking on are indicated by being of gold. Why would we seek gold rather than the riches of righteousness and Christ-likeness? It is a preventative. So when you and I are tempted to sin, think about who God is. God is looking over my shoulder. God is right here. He is near me, around me, above me, behind me, below me. He's everywhere around me. He's, I'm right here. It'd be like a child with a parent staring him Right over the shoulder, going onto the internet and some wicked, some wicked uh, uh, site. It doesn't happen unless the child is absolutely vicious and 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 daring and and unafraid. You and I forget, don't we? The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good shouldn't matter whether mom or dad are home or not. What I do on the internet or what, do I, what I do in my mind or heart. God is with me. God is seeing me. He knows my thoughts. Our thoughts are as loud to God as, our, as the words that we hear from one another. <clears throat> Keep, And that's why the psalmist said, in the fear of the Lord all the day long, not just the morning, when you've had your devotions, but keep yourself in the fear of God all the day long. Because all day, the devil doesn't just tempt you in the morning or noon or evening. 
He doesn't just tempt you when you're by yourself. He tempts us at all times. And so when you and I are tempted to look twice at a certain uh, thing or to, to click on to a certain site or to keep our attention on something as we're scrolling that's wrong, keep yourselves in the fear of God as well as keep yourselves in the love of God. It's healthy. It says the fear of the Lord prolongeth days in chapter 10, verse 27. You say, is that quantity or quality? Does it really matter? Again, you can live a short life and be qualitative, and you can live a long life and be miserable, full of a guilty conscience. Because he says the years of the wicked shall be shortened if you don't fear the Lord. In chapter 13 and verse 13 it says, if you fear God's Word and His commands, you'll be rewarded. It's a fountain of life, chapter 14 and verse 27. And it tendeth to life. In other words, you'll be free from a worrisome life, chapter 19 and verse 23. What, what a wholesome way to live in the fear of God. That's what Proverbs tells us. We want to end well as, as, as well as beginning well, don't we? Were we talking about that outside? We want to end well. There's a couple of individuals in the Bible that didn't end well. We know they went to heaven. One was called a holy man of God and the other one was called a righteous man. You know who they were? I mean, I'll, I'll name a third one that was in, is in the hall of faith that some of us might have thought, you know, maybe they're not in heaven, but they, they didn't end well. They began well. Everyone begins well by being born again. You've got Samson. He's still in the hall of faith in chapter 11 of Hebrews. You've got Solomon. What happened to him? Immoral and trying to kill a man that God said that was going to be a ruler. He's trying to, to uh, thwart the providence of God. And who's the third man? Lot, who gave his daughters. He was going to sell his daughters to the, the wicked people of Sodom and allowed himself to commit incest with them. What a, I mean, a believer. We would have never thought that Lot was a believer. Unless the Bible told us he was just Lot. So there's no sin that you and I cannot commit but by the grace of God. So be in the fear of the Lord all the day long. Chapter 23 and verse 17. It's the key to righteous living. He that walketh in his uprightness fear the Lord, feareth the Lord. It's the key to righteous living. We're talking about practical righteousness versus forensic and legal righteousness that is being justified by faith. How is it that we can do justly and love mercy and walk humbly with God by fearing Him, respecting Him, keeping that, that closeness and, and, and holiness to God? It's faith's fruit. Chapter 14 and 26 in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. That's what it says. You want your faith increased? Fear God more and more. 
Because the more we study God, and the bigger we're not making Him bigger, we're seeing Him as big as He as He is. We're seeing that He is a big God. And what is what happens when you have a big God? You have bigger faith. Your faith is only as strong and as large as the object you place it in. So if we're placing our faith in a small God, it's small faith. But our God is a great God, a big God. And so our faith increases as we study His attributes. And we study how great and good and gracious the Lord is. Fear of the Lord is a godly example. The rest of that verse 14.26 says, And His children shall have a place of refuge. In other words, your fear of God does not just benefit you and me. Your, your fear of God doesn't just benefit you. Mine, I, mine does not just benefit me. It has an effect upon those who are following us. They see father and mother fearing God and not flinching at intimidation. That's going to be a helpful thing to children. Because it says, the fear in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. What does that mean? They'll, they'll feel secure. If they see a parent that's afraid of their own shadow, well, they're never going to feel secure. But they see a parent that's, you know, like David standing up against Goliath and just looking people in the eye and agreeing to disagree and, and, and speaking Christ to them. We need more of the fear of God so that we might see our children more secure in their own soul. And you know, our children tend to follow us, don't they, as far as whether we are faithful or cowardly. What did Abraham do? He lied about Sarah. What happened to Isaac? He lied about Rebekah. Fear of the Lord is safe. Chapter 14, verse 27. The fear of the Lord is to depart from the snares of death. I think what it's saying here is that when you fear God, you avoid areas of life that would produce premature judgment from God. We dare not start to delve into things that are going to hurt us spiritually and going to provoke the Lord to chasten us and perhaps even chasten us unto death. Oh, the devil says, dabble into that drink. See what it's like to get drunk. Dabble into the drugs. Dabble into the sex. This is what the devil's doing. You're missing something. And yet, the Bible is saying, you're departing from the snares of death if you follow the Lord. It's comfort from turmoil. Chapter 15, verse 16 Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasures and trouble therewith. Now someone would say, I'd like to have the fear of the Lord and a few treasures. But, but the Bible is saying here, it's comfort from turmoil. It's, it's a help to our, our contentment. In other words, the fear of the Lord says, the lot that I have right now is God's providence for me. We're not always looking you know, beyond the, our borders. I'm really dissatisfied with my lot in life, and you know this is this is a person that is not 
factoring that God has us where He wants us. You know, Joseph, I'm sure, was tempted as he was in prison to think, there's got to be more to life than this. But yet he learned to be content that this, if he wasn't there where he was, to be in the place of interpreting the dreams of the, the king's uh, prisoners. And you and I need to see that God leads us. If God wants me to be a trash man, let me be content. And forgive me if you're a trash man listening to this, this, or let's just, whatever you think, a, a ditch digger, or somebody that, that sets up bowling pins, or somebody that works on an earthworm farm. You know, we've all done things that the world might say is, is beneath us, but the Lord Jesus Christ was content to be in a carpenter shop when he could have chosen to be any other kind of profession. He got dirty. He probably had uh, raw fingers and hands. He probably had knuckles that were that had been injured. He probably had coarse when you shook his hand, coarse hands. He was no doubt beaten down by the heat of the day. It wasn't just wood he was probably working with, he was probably working with clay and stones. Not just a wood maker. It's a key to humility, chapter 15, verse 33. The instruction of wisdom is that honor comes, uh, humility comes before honor. Look at chapter 15, again in verse 33. I know there's a lot of things said about the fear of the Lord here, but you can see it's so versatile, isn't it? Just to have a healthy fear of God is so versatile in every area of life, in morals and in practical things. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And notice, um, it seems to be now a synthetic parallelism that adds a little thought. And before honor is humility. But it seems to say that as you fear God, you become humble. It's not that you first humble yourself and then you fear God. You fear God. You start to have a healthy respect for God and it humbles your pride. You see how we're nothing. It punctures our pride when we see the greatness of God. And then, look at the help it is. As we humble ourselves, then it's a step to honor. We don't step over people. We serve people and it becomes an honor to us. A step to honor. It pays dividends. Look at chapter 22 and verse 4. Chapter 22 and verse 4. Not what the world figures. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Now, maybe referring to temporal things, but especially eternal riches and honor that is deep and lasting and, and respectable and, and life, indeed, including eternal life. 
by humility and the fear of the Lord, riches, honor, and life. It pays dividends. I think what it's saying is humility which results from the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. That's the way it's put in the Hebrew there. Notice and is in italics. I think it's saying that the fear of the Lord, as I said earlier, comes before humility. And it leads to having riches and honor in life. What is it to have riches that are just going to fly away? And the riches that don't profit in the day of wrath. Remember what the proverb says, labor not to be rich. Labor to please God. Labor to live for the Lord. It's only one life. Give it to, to give it to Him. Chapter 13, verse 13 says that if you fear the commandment, the Word of God, you'll be rewarded. It's the fruit of grace. 13, 13. Still under this, the fact that the fear of the Lord pays dividends. What is the reward? I think isn't it enough to hear the, the words of the Lord at the end? Thou, well done, thou faithful, good and faithful servant. Oh, the Lord might entrust you with riches. Not too many people can have them and, and, and benefit by them. Abraham, Job, but a lot, many times riches spoil people. Just labor to serve the Lord. And if He wants you to have riches, He'll entrust you with them. And if you fear Him, you'll, you'll be a good steward of the riches. You'll be generous. Could I say that that verse again in chapter 23 and verse 17 is a youth's life verse? Could I encourage our youth to take this as certainly one of your life verses? 23.17 Let not thine heart Notice he's talking to his son. Verse 15 let, that, let not thine heart envy sinners. Don't envy people of the world. What they have. But be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. That's a, that's a, a young person's motto. Let, thine, let not thine heart envy sinners. So the devil's going to tempt a young person especially to envy the way of life of the world. If I follow this way of life, I'm going to be persecuted, stepped on. I'm not going to be respected. I'm going to lose um, promotions. That's how the devil's going to want you to think. Notice he also gives us the result of that. Surely there is an end and thine expectation shall not be cut off. He's saying there's a good end for you. You won't be cut off at the end. Remember the story of Adoniram Judson? He had a friend named Jacob Eames that persuaded Mr. Judson that God was a myth. Just eat, drink, and be merry. Get rich. And... Judson started to believe his, he wasn't saved yet. His father, I think, was a minister, but he began to follow the advice and the counsel of Jacob Eames. 
And his parents were so worried, they started to pray for him. And he, he ended up on a summer vacation traveling from place to place in New England, and he ended up in an inn. Remember the story? I think you do. And while he was asleep, he heard moaning and groaning and shrieks on the other side of the wall. And then it stopped after about a couple hours. And he fell asleep finally. And as he was leaving and paying the innkeeper, he said, By the way, is the person okay that was on the other side of the wall? And the innkeeper said, No, no. He died. And he said, Do you know his name? He said, Yeah. Eames. Jacob Eames. Talk about poignant moment. That's, that was a turning point from Adoniram Judson. Here was Jacob Eames. There's no God. Eat, drink, and be merry. Nothing to worry about. And his last two hours, he's shrieking and moaning and groaning before he went into eternity. My son, envy thou not sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. And isn't it of the Lord how he ends the subject of the fear of, of God? Remember the Psalm 113? People say it ends... It, end, it starts with a bang and ends with a sigh. When I, 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 I don't believe it. It's of the Lord. Let's first look at Psalm 113 and you'll see what I mean. Psalm 113 begins about praising the Lord and, and it just speaks of the glory of God and, and the reasons why we bless Him and from rising, the rising of the sun to the going down thereof. His name is to be praised. And the comparison of the Lord, verse 5, and how He humbles Himself to behold the things that are in heaven, let alone in the earth. Raising up the poor out of the dust and lifting the needy out of the dunghill. It seems like it's ending with a sigh. But that's what pleases the Lord to lift up the downtrodden, to lift up the people that the world doesn't respect. But notice what it, how it ends. He maketh the barren woman that many don't care about. Many have written off as being of those that have, have been robbed of the blessing of God. And, but He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. There are people that actually have written that should be in another place of the Bible instead of Psalm 113. But that's like the Lord. That He loves to lift up the downtrodden. He loves to lift up those who are humble. But guess where the fear of the Lord ends? Chapter 31. A godly woman. Remember? Who can find a virtuous woman? Among many things, we have the, the resume of a virtuous woman. And one is, what is one that stands out? Almost the very end of the book of Proverbs. Favor is deceitful. She has favor from everybody. She's well known. She has a reputation. She's beautiful. She can, she, her face can, can make the, the pictures, the, the, the magazines of Whatever, uh, don't remember the names of them. Fashion magazine or teen magazine or whatever they're called. Beauty is vain. 
But here's the woman that the Lord wants to have a picture on His um, magazine. The woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. If chapter 23.17 is a youth's life verse, chapter 31 and verse 30 is a mother's wish for a daughter-in-law. Every mother, every father should wish this for a daughter-in-law. And could I say in the reverse, every mother and every father could wish this for a son-in-law, one who fears the Lord. But that's what we need to look for. Look for a woman who fears God, who respects the Lord. We've got three young men here. One of these days, please, 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 if God wants you to be married, He wants you to be married to a woman who fears Him. Find a woman who fears the Lord, loves the Lord, will love you and love your children and love your church, will love to pray with you and have family worship with you. Please, 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 find one who fears the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, help us to, to fear You and to be in the fear of the Lord all day. Forgive us, Lord, where we let down our guard that we forget You, Lord. As Jeremiah said, we have forgotten You days without number. No wonder why we fall to temptation and our hearts become cold and we are jealous and envious of those who are materialistic, those who are rich, famous. I pray that we would keep eternity in view and keep Your glory in view. And You'd help us to stay close to You, Lord. 